This podcast is a member of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts and content creators, visit bio.link slash red5. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for joining us this week on an all-new show. If you've been following our collecting series, you'll know that Heidi from Costume Co. and I had joined forces with Prop Store. And if you remember a few weeks ago, we did our third live show with Prop Store featuring some amazing collectibles that are on auction this month, actually. Some things that I really wanted to put on my wish list, items from C-3PO himself, Anthony Daniels. And special side note, you don't have to have Tony Stark money to be able to bid on some of these awesome items. Prop Store is auctioning off a massive collection this month, so you should check out their catalog and see some of the items that could be yours. Even if you're just window shopping, the online catalog is an immense collection of amazing movie memorabilia, so check it out. And if you do end up maybe with Katniss's bow and arrow or Deckard's coat from Blade Runner, we'd love to hear about it. So this week I present the third live show from our Prop Store series where Heidi and I take a look at a couple of specific items on our wish list. If you missed the Scarif Live show, don't worry, we've got it in the podcatchers right here tonight. Heidi and I have had an amazing time with the amazing team at Prop Store. Can I say amazing one more time? Please give her a follow at Costume Co. and check out her show whenever she has them. I'd like to mention some quick shout-outs like Andrew, who I always see in our live chats. Thank you very much, Andrew. As well as Rural Farm Boy, who has teamed up with Jeff from the Red 5 Network's shows, Blue Milk Cafe. Those guys are having a lot of fun over there and a lot of cool discussions, so check them out. Hey, again, thank you for your continued support. If you are a brand new listener, thank you. If you come back for more cool discussions, thank you as well. So without further ado, here is our third interview where Heidi and I talk with Alex of Prop Store UK and some wonderful surprises. Check it out. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Costume Co. Uh, Another exciting video for you today. We are going to be interviewing Prop Store about, and actually they're going to have five items that they're going to show us, like a bit of a show and tell with us today. And with me, I have, first of all, I have Ro from Scarif Podcast, my good friend, my good buddy. He's going to be joining me and we've picked out five items. I actually got two items. Row picked two items, and then we did a community pick. So that's a really exciting thing that we're doing today. And with me is my guest, Alex from Prop Store. Hi, Alex. Hi. How are you guys doing today? We're very well. How are you? I'm super excited to show you guys these incredible things. I'm sure you're able to recognize some of them already. They're they're all pretty distinctive. We're very excited to uh, to see them and examine them and ask you questions about them and and uh, I'll get my credit card ready just in case. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, and along with Alex, I just want to do a shout out to your team uh, at Prop Store who are here to make all of this possible today. So we've got Miranda, George, and Paul. We were making a joke that we've got the Beatles, <laughs> and and you're coming to us from lovely England, from London, England today. So this is very yeah. exciting. Yeah, we're coming from our Rickmansworth headquarters, so that's just outside of London, for those that don't know the UK very well. Um, We obviously have our LA office as well, where Megan uh, was with with you guys before. So it's really nice to have, you know, you guys return and chat to us over here as well. So to start off, we're, uh, so we did, I was just saying before we went live that 
I picked out two items immediately. Like I kind of knew what I wanted. Bro had a couple of options. One, I think a few of them were in the LA office. So we had to make sure that they were in the London office. So, but I also did a fan choice. So I think I gave four choices. And the one we came up with is Arya Stark's prop sword, which I actually did a video about all of the Game of Thrones items that you have in the collection, which is so exciting. So do you want to start with that? We'll start with Arya Stark. Absolutely. Fantastic choice as well from the community. I love this. I mean, I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I think Arya is my favourite character in the whole show. And this is Needle. Um, This sword is obviously given to her by Jon Snow. And she says Sansa has her sewing needles. This is my needle. And it's dainty. It's tiny. The way it's been built is perfect for a character who kind of grows up across the show. And obviously Maisie Williams is quite a petite person anyway. So this is just a really perfectly designed piece by um, Tommy Dunn. And this is the stunt version. So it's actually more of a kind of hard rubber than a metal that would you'd see with like a hero version or something that was designed for the close-ups. This is quite kind of crudely designed, but it still looks great from this sort of distance here where you would have action sequences and things like that shot it is quite tiny isn't it because she she gets it i think when she's only maybe eight or nine years old yes and then she grows with it right so absolutely my big question is like i know the probably the hero one is with you know hbo game of thrones collection how did you end up getting some of these game of thrones pieces this like it's i've never seen anything come up for auction for them before so we've had a few pieces from Game of Thrones come up in the past, kind of, you know, different weaponry, but it'd be one or two. I think it is probably just the time for these things to start appearing on the market. We haven't got them from a specific person. Um, they've kind of come from all over sort of various production houses, special effects shops, kind of prop shops, things like that, and sources that are closer to the production. But I wouldn't say we've kind of received them from one source all in one go. I think it's probably just, as tends to happen in collecting, there'll be a lot of consignments from the same thing. At the same time, probably because Game of Thrones is gaining popularity again with House of the Dragon being as famous as it is. You know, people kind of think tactically when it comes to consigning, which is a great way if you want to see it as an investment uh, rather than just collecting in itself. Now, I uh, think... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Ro. No, as, as, a, as a collector, um, I can't imagine um, collecting something as an investment because... It's, you know, for me, particular, particularly Star Wars is, is embedded in my DNA. And uh, but it's it's wonderful to see all these pieces just kind of uh, uh, together under one house. You guys have been fantastic uh, showing us uh, some wonderful, wonderful items. Um, absolutely great. Thank you. We, we love showing you all the stuff. And I completely relate to that as well. I am a kind of very low level collector i collect posters and things like that but you know everybody's different there are some people who will sell things on because they need more space in their own collection and they've just collected too much over the years it's very easily done when there's so many incredible pieces out there but yeah i think it's just one of those things where it's it's pure coincidence and everything's come from different places and that's the great thing as well where someone will have something from a film because they worked on it and then someone who was never even related to the production will have something also because it's just traveled that way in the world and that's kind of how it works 
yeah absolutely these things turn up sometimes you know (laughs) yeah maybe when i'm 90 the prop store will have the row collection on uh, on display I think we should. We'll get the contract signed now. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, uh, Alex, I'm I'm uh, interviewing another collector uh, in a couple of days, and he has a really big collection. And I think one of the things he does, he like he'll turn things over. So, for instance, he'll say, oh, "Okay, I've decided I don't want to have this anymore. I'll put it back up for auction, and then I'll buy something else." And I, a lot of the things he has actually are, came from you. Uh, from yeah. prop store. So very cool. <laughs> yeah. Like he has, yeah. he has Katniss's um, swimsuit from um, catching fire, for instance. So yeah. going to oh, be uh, awesome. Yeah. So, uh, and he hopes to open up a museum, which I think is so cool. So he's doing it cause he loves it, but also cause he wants to share his love of, uh, oh, of the collection. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm yeah. looking for investors here in Chicago. I can, I can open up my own Star Wars museum. You should. I think you should. All right. So, uh, well, anyway, Arya Stark's piece, before we move on, uh, do you just want to tell everybody, I think there's already a few um, bids for it, but what's the starting bid on that? So starting bid is 2,500. However, the actual estimate itself is 5,000 to Mm -hmm. 10,000. The way our website works is that we do have a starting bid that would be half of the reserve or the low estimate. um, And then, you kind of bid up from there, but we are always very transparent with our estimates. So yeah, this is five to 10,000. Okay. But an amazing piece. Any collector would just absolutely love to have. All right. So next we are, uh, this is over to you, Ro. This is a very exciting piece for you to talk about. Yes, it is. Um, our friend, Anthony Daniels, I, I've seen pictures of him holding the, uh, the prop head and uh, our favorite protocol droid. From the Star Wars movies, uh, C-3PO. Um, one of the things that uh, we were talking about before uh, we went live is uh, the fact that he's so reflective. He's so shiny. And obviously that is one of the great things about the costume in general, um, not just the mask or the headpiece. But um, I was uh, kind of talking to you guys about how difficult it might have been on set to be able to erase or kind of uh, eliminate the fact that there might be some cameras in in the reflection and things like that. Um, I can't imagine, but um, this is kind of a new thing. Um, I I think I saw it on Lucasfilm's uh, website, um, but Anthony Daniels, did he, um, did he contribute this piece or is this from a private collector? Um, What's, what's a, a little backstory on this? So we are very proud to present the Anthony Daniels Collection, which is a series of over 160 items throughout his entire career of being C-3PO. Obviously, he has appeared in all nine of the Skywalker saga, so he's collected some incredible bits and pieces over the years. And um, he's co-signed the entire collection, so when you have the COA, he will have signed it as well. And yeah, it's just a collection of all of the pieces that he's got from that first film, such as this, all the way to kind of more modern things where he appeared on The Muppet Show. There's different ADR scripts. There's pieces of limited edition Lego. It's, you know, a fully comprehensive look at Anthony Daniels' career that he kind of wants to release back into, release back to the fans and give the fans of Star Wars a piece of the thing that they love. It's going to make me cry, but... uh... (laughs) I'm trying to remember who the original builder was. Was it Lee Bracknell? Um, uh, uh, Ro, do you know who the original builder was? No, but the suit. 
We can definitely look it up in the book that we got from Prop Store. Yeah, um, we. By the way, oh, I don't have my book. Uh, we have we have a lovely Star Wars book that we got. <laughs> Brandon's fantastic book. Yes, and he signed it for us. Yeah. Both of us got a copy. Mine's over on the on the couch. <laughs> no, it's a fantastic book. Yeah, um, Anthony Daniels is uh, his character C three PO is probably the one character that has appeared in every single incarnation of Star Wars. Not only the Skywalker sagas, but obviously you know the spinoff films and the the his voice is uh, is in the animated shows. So he for somebody that um, that balked at the fact that an American director called him to to say that he wanted to to play a droid. Um, for somebody that didn't want to do that. I mean, he has really been loyal to the character throughout the decades and it's just amazing. He's a, he's a wonderful ambassador for the fandom. Um, I've seen him, you know, when he went, um, he did uh, star Wars in concert, uh, the first, uh, tour of the concert show, uh, all over the world. Um, he was here in Chicago and it was such a wonderful experience to be able to hear a live orchestra and, um, you know, introductions and narrations by, you know, the man himself, Anthony Daniels. It's, uh, it's fantastic. It's obviously C-3PO is an iconic character. Um, you take a look at some of the helmets in star Wars and they are instantly recognized, <laughs> recognizable. And C-3PO is obviously one of them. Um, as far as that piece is concerned, is how many pieces is that? I know there's, you know, obviously I've seen the behind the scenes stuff. There's like the back end and then the top and then the front that is yes. a, a, adjusted with the, the neck screw. How many pieces is that 3PO helmet? So it is two pieces. There is the sort of bolt in the head, the top here that keeps it all together, but it would have been put on as the back and then the front would have been screwed on to Anthony Daniels. That would be very claustrophobic. <laughs> like, yeah, must, a little I bit. I wonder if he ever gets panic attacks about when when he has to put the suit on. I mean, I don't know if you've read his book about the whole kind of experience of being C-3PO, but he does kind of say long days in the sure. desert in a metal suit that mm -hmm. is very kind of akin to something Henry VIII would have worn in the way yeah. it was constructed. <laughs> um, wasn't necessarily a fun experience, but I think, yeah, just by the fact that he's come back multiple times to play that role there must be some part of it that he loves and i do think that's the fans and you know star wars and what it is in the wider world probably keeps him coming back absolutely alex do you know what it's made of um so this has been vac formed um and then there's been metallic it's been remetallicized so as we were saying it is very very metallic now after production anthony wanted to take it on tour with him as you mentioned ro he kind of toured around as c3po to guest appearances so he had it remetallicized so it would look like it had its kind of full glory as you see it in the film because obviously working on productions things get scuffed things get scratches and throughout the film a new hope C-3PO does kind of go through it a little bit as well with being in the trash compactor, getting attacked by Tusken Raiders. So, you know, it needed a bit of a polish when they were done with it. Little rumble tumble there. Which version of the mask is this from which film? Do you know? So this is from A New Hope. Uh, it screen matches to multiple scenes in the film. Um, and we know that because the dents in the forehead and the chin Hmm. are completely hand sculpted so there are two or so masks that you see throughout that film but we can tell the one that we have is from certain scenes because of the shape because they would cut out holes in the material and fill it with putty so they could make the groove as deep or as shallow as they wanted um it 
matches, obviously, to when they get attacked by the Tusken Raiders and he receives the knock on the head. It matches to the sequence in the trash compactor with the comlink and to the medal ceremony at the end. Very nice. Very nice. You know, he's one of those actors that uh, his metabolism must be top notch because throughout the decades, he can't get chunky. He can't get too skinny and he's got to be able to fit in that C-3PO suit. It's amazing. That's the thing. There's no give on this thing. You yeah. know, there's no mm-hmm. there's no letting it out a couple of inches. It was, you know, you have to be screwed into this outfit. And, you know, some fantastic photos of Anthony back in the day where he's on very old style leaning boards that you'd see mm-hmm. actresses in the 40s use so they wouldn't crumple their dresses. And because he couldn't sit down comfortably in the suit, he would just be kind of perched on a wooden board with a straw in the mouth hole and in the middle of the desert. And it's, you know. Wow. That made sense. I was going to say, when you're mentioning Henry VIII, like at least Henry VIII got to wear a surcoat or something that would cover the metal so he wouldn't cook in the sun. But in he's just in, you know, cooking in, in the metal suit. It's pretty yeah. crazy. Um, all right. We should probably move on to the next one. Before on that, what? Oh, so I know, go ahead, Ro. I know Heidi's going to ask about the uh, starting bid on this guy. Oh, yes. Yeah, sorry. Yes. So this guy, I mean, he's such an iconic, incredible piece screen match the provenance it's coming straight from anthony daniels c3po himself um so we have a value of half a million to a million pounds of this wow yes and then (laughs) and then all the items are being sold separately like the feet and the gloves and everything absolutely so if you head over to our website or if you've ordered a catalog you'll have received a wonderful little small catalog that is just the anthony daniels content there are things from half a million pounds down to 300 pounds and really kind of smaller items that anthony's collected like a trivial pursuit card where uh c3po is the answer and really just great memories throughout his career um so if you love star wars or c3po then i would say there's absolutely something for everyone in that collection regardless of kind of where you're working in terms of price range very nice my wife might notice some change in our bank account so there will be signs (laughs) (laughs) oh and um ashley alex while we're at it when's the bid closing on uh on c3po's helmet so um C-3PO will be going up for auction on the first day of our Entertainment Memorabilia live auction. So that will be November the 9th. Um, It will be later in the day for the UK um, because we go in alphabetical order. So we'll be starting at 300 and ending at, I'm not sure if we've got something from Xanadu, but if we did, it would be towards the end. Um, So this will be kind of towards that halfway mark. Also on the second day, we have another section of Anthony's items going up for auction as well. Very nice. I love Xanadu, by the way. I know it didn't get, it didn't do well with the fans, but uh, I love it. And I love it. I love the Newton John. So, <laughs> so if you ever have anything come up from that, I would love to uh, talk to you about it. All right. So next uh, it's so interesting because there's a new hunger games movie coming out. And it was funny because last time we were on, we were just saying there was a new, like Batman was featured in what movie was it, Ro? He was in, uh, um, and we're like, uh, the oh, flash. The Flash movie, yeah. So right, now right, we've yeah. got a, a new Hunger Games movie. So that's sort of bringing a lot of attention again to the whole saga, the, you know, the, tri- the trilogy. Actually, there's four movies. So do you want to tell us a little bit about this piece that you have here? Absolutely. So I'll go for the bow and arrow first. Also, yes. I saw today online that there is going to be a Hunger Games uh, theatre show here in London. <gasps> oh, so- no way. 
yeah, that looks like it'll be great. So, you know, it's very much coming back. It's all, the universe is working for me. It's full for sure. Um, so this is Katniss's bow and quiver from Catching Fire. Um, obviously, it's such a iconic piece for that character. Especially these days, you don't really see many women with weapons, especially in young adult fiction, movies, that kind of thing. But you immediately think of Katniss kind of poised with her bow and arrow. And this is just a fantastic piece. It's a custom bow and arrow, so it was designed for production, um, but it was based on a Hoyt Buffalo recurve bow. I have wow. my notes here. Um, so there are elements of it that are based on a real bow. But it has been changed for the film, I guess, to kind of make it look more futuristic, more within the universe. Um, it's made out of resin. There is some kind of faux fiberglass. I don't believe this would have been a practical bow. Mm -hmm. um, it is quite lightweight. Um, and there isn't anything kind of any marks or scuffs that would ever say that this has been actively used to fire anything. Um, but it is incredibly well built. And it comes with this lovely little quiver as well that would have held all of Katniss's arrows. Yeah, I was going to tell you from here, it looks it looks like it's metal. It looks like mm -hmm. it's a, a real, you know, working um, bow. Yeah. Uh, very nice. I mean, you know, fool me once, shame on me. You know what they say, but <laughs> but it's really, really movies. great looking. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there, there. I love. That's one of the things I love when I came to prop store is that I could see some things up close and think, "Wow, like that looks so real." Like we have a marmalade sandwich from Paddington that you oh, would never so believe cute. wasn't a real sandwich that someone had just left on the side. But then you see other things, like we had um, a helmet from a James Bond film for the little Nelly like gyrocopter that was just a hard hat with a camera lens stuck on it but back in the day when you would have seen that film with Sean Connery you thought what's this high-tech piece of kit mm -hmm. and I think that's what I love about props the most is the kind of smoke and mirrors yeah. of certain things yeah absolutely Alex, I love that you were mentioning about a, a woman's weapon because we have two women's weapons on that table. Exactly. So that's really kind of cool. <laughs> um, and I didn't even think about it. And then behind you, we have her uniform. Now, I don't think, I'm trying to remember if she uses the bow and arrow with that outfit or, or she wears it when she's wearing the leather jacket, which you also have on auction. Yes. So this suit is from Catching, uh, no, this is from Mocking Oh, that's Day Mocking Jay, I think. Is it Mocking yes. Mocking Jay? Yes. Mockingjay Part 2. So this would be when uh, Katniss and the Rebels are at District 13. Um, I really like this costume in the context of the Hunger Games, because obviously you're used to seeing the capital and all of the bright lights and the fiery dresses and the colour, and you've got Effie Trinket, who always looks incredible. Um, and then you see all of them in these very muted, dark, gray, black, sort of very functional tech wear, you know, all of the luxuries of the capital have gone at that point. And it's about, you know, storming, storming it instead and yeah. you know, everyone's ready for it. But I think that's the outfit she's wearing mostly on the posters. You see that it's pretty yeah. iconic, like that particular costume. And I think it's Curtin Bart who did the design, if I recall, because it's um, uh, actually Trisha uh, Somerville is coming back to to do the new movie. So she did Catching Fire, but Curtin Bart did, I think, the following two. So I love that suit. Um, I had asked to if we could look at the leather jacket and her boots, but they're actually in in the L.A. office. Also yes. awesome pieces, though. They if, are. Uh, 
anyone's a Hunger Games fan. Yeah, we have some fantastic pieces from, you know, more modern films like The Hunger Games going all the way back to The Good, The Bad and The Ugly. So, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what kind of films you're into, we have something iconic and instantly recognisable. And I think that's why people love chatting to us and why we love chatting to you guys is that we get to talk about really cool stuff and cool movies all the time. Yeah. Uh, Ro, are you a Hunger Games fan? Uh, you know what? I watched the first one. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, it wasn't, um, it, it wasn't something that I really got into. Like the other thing too, is like Harry Potter obviously has a huge following, but I, I watched the first one. And it was just, wasn't for me. Um, but, um, I wanted to ask you that the, the costume there, the chess piece, what is all that stuff made of? And obviously the fabric is fabric, but you know, sometimes you have costume pieces that in universe are supposed to be, you know, like adamantium or some sort of metallic alloy. But then when you get to to actually see and touch and feel it, it's like, oh, it's like either paper mache, you know, printed up or, or painted. But what is what are what are some of that material made of? So this is actually just all what it looks like. This is a chest harness. It is quite tough fitting. It does just kind of feel like army wear and the kind of thing that somebody who was actively within that situation would wear. There's no foam. There's no secret rubber. There's no, you know, anything like that. But I know exactly what you mean when it comes to sort of suits of armor and things like that. It could be made out of fiberglass or foam for an actor's comfort. But this is all very much actual tech wear. Oh, nice. Yeah, because the she's being dressed by the, uh, District 13 and not by the Capitol. The Capitol would have had all the the high-tech things, I think, where she they're kind of low-tech. So um, at least that's my recollection. Someone in the chat can correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, so those two pieces are being auctioned off separately again. So yes. do you want to let us know a little bit about the bids on those? So the estimate on the bow and arrow are... I believe that is three to six thousand for the bow and arrow, and then it is twelve to twenty-four on the full suit here. Oh yeah, and and it comes with the boots, I think, as well. It comes with an amazing pair of boots that I love because <laughs> they're just like plain black. I mean, the whole outfit's great. I've kind of mm-hmm. gone for a cargo Katniss-inspired look today, but no, yeah, you have full outfit. There is also a little gun on a holster as well, which is oh quite yes, fun I think I remember that. that. Um, cause they were saying, that, is there some sort of special, um, certificate that you need in order to get a gun? Like, I, would you mind explaining that to the audience? So, um, within the UK, we don't have kind of legal guns. Uh, there are in certain situations if you live in rural areas and things like that, but in the UK, you do have to have a license to have a gun, even if it has been, um, what is the word? manipulated deactivated. or mo- modified yeah if the gun has been deactivated then you still need a certificate for it sure. um, just because there are quite stringent fire firearms laws in the uk um but we are here to kind of talk you all through that if you are looking at a lot that you are interested in but you're not sure about where the law lies kind of where you live feel free to drop a email to support at propstore.com and one of our team will be able to take you through everything you need any kind of licenses insurance that kind of thing but we will always say in our descriptions if that is something you need to consider when buying a lot yeah, that's it's something I never would have even have thought of because it looks it looks for all intents and purposes like a gun. Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, stringent firearm rules. Imagine that. <laughs> yep. Um, okay. So next, because uh, we're we want to make sure we have enough time to cover everything. So do we want to talk about Zora uh, from Blade Runner, who is now in the last auction? We got to see uh, uh, Deckard, which was very cool, and uh, now we get to see one of the replicants. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. We've been so lucky throughout my time of working at Prop Store that we've had some incredible Blade Runner pieces come in. My first auction, we had uh, Rutger Hauer's trench coat, the big leather trench that he wears as Roy Batty. Oh, Obviously, we had so Deckard's cool. uh, brown suit. And this year, we've got what is considered to be the single largest collection of Blade Runner items to ever come to auction. And that is part of the Jeff Hutchins collection. Now, Jeff Hutchins was an archivist primarily of Blade Runner items. And if there was a mention of it in a book or a magazine, there's evidence of it in Jeff's collection. And it's just fantastic. And we're so lucky to have this costume. I remember watching Blade Runner when I was younger and just thinking, oh, that lady looks so cool in that jacket. Um, and I think it's one of those really, really iconic sci-fi costumes because now you see so much of this kind of plastic, this PVC in the visions of the future that we have. But I don't think many people have really done that until Ridley Scott and Charles Node obviously did the costume for Blade Runner. Yeah, like I was, I think I was 16 when the movie came out and I was like, what is that? Like, first of all, she's like, she's, you know, she has a snake and then her hair is all slicked back and then she gets in the shower and she goes in this blow dryer, which is so cool. Like while he's in the room with her, like there's no, like no concern for nudity or anything. And then she just sits down and puts on those boots and the, and the, that rigid bra, which doesn't even fasten at the back. I think it just hooks on or something, didn't it? It, it does just hook on. There is, mm -hmm. It kind of has almost like glasses straps, it feels like, round the edges of the ribs. Um, but yeah, we have the sort of leg covers. So the boots, there were shoes, and then there was a sort of shin guard, I would maybe mm -hmm. call it, with the spikes. Those are part of the costume as well. One of your, one of your folks calls it greaves, which is sort of like an armor type of leg cover. Yes, greaves. That is mm -hmm. what one of our copywriters call, but I'll say shin guards. I like um, shin guards. That works. Yeah, I mean, she was up to stuff. She needed her shins protected. Um, but then there is this kind of flesh-toned bodysuit, which you wouldn't necessarily expect with the costume, because as you said, she's quite undressed for the majority of that scene. Um, but this was actually used for when she runs away from Deckard and, as you can see, unfortunately gets shot. Um, so this bodysuit would have been loaded with squibs that would have exploded and kind of created that illusion of gunshots. Um, and then it comes with... Yeah, this tiny, tiny bra that is just like a sort of wired piece of leather in a very, very artistic configuration, let's say. Um, and then, yeah, a, a coat that doesn't really cover much, but it looks great. <laughs> yeah, because in uh, in the future, it's like there's acid rain. So everyone has like wears hats and has umbrellas. Yes. So it makes sense that she would have this um, sort exactly. of a, a raincoat. Yeah, I mean it's very British of her, really. We've all we've all got raincoats and hats, and yeah. you know, 
but none of us are quite as glamorous as this. I don't yeah, know. I'd love to hear Joanna Cassidy talk about this costume because it just like it's so iconic and her in that because the only other thing I think I'd ever seen her in, I think she might have been in like a cop show or something. That was the only other thing I'd seen her in. So she was like Daryl Hannah had already had quite a bit of I think, you know, was pretty famous at this point. But Joanna Cassidy, that to me was just, you know, she looked so amazing in that outfit. Rose uh, oh, yeah, had a rewatch on it. Well, you know, we've had a lot of Blade Runner items uh, on our prop store, Little Adventure, our, our trilogy of shows. And it's one of your favorite movies. And you told uh, the story about uh, you and your husband meeting um, and how Blade Runner. But I, I've had Blade Runner in the back of my mind. So I've been watching Blade Runner. I've been watching behind the scenes of Blade Runner, just really getting back into the Blade Runner world. And obviously Harrison Ford is such a, an iconic actor and he brings so much gravitas to the, to the role. Um, but I think I was watching a little bit of behind the scenes. There was a, sh uh, Alex, you had mentioned, uh, when she was running away from Deckard and she ran into what she thought was breakaway glass, um, during that scene when she gets shot and it turns out it wasn't breakaway glass. <gasps> oh my God. Really? Yeah, I right. didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, really? and then I could, have, they, could have ended up bad. Yeah, they then obviously reshot the scene with a stunt double. But um, in the original cut, someone got in contact with us the other day saying you could actually clearly see it was a stunt double in the original cut. But since the re-releases, they've actually re-recorded um, and kind of mm -hmm. artificially put Joanna Casti's face onto the stunt double just to kind of take that element out and keep you within the universe of the film. But no, I'm, I'm glad she was okay. Yeah. Oh my know. gosh. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, I guess we will, uh, did you want to tell us about the bit on that one? Yes. So that is currently for, um, that is 30 to 60,000 pounds. Wow. Which but, I don't even know what that is in American. That's a lot. <laughs> um, potentially around like sort of thirty-six to seventy-two thousand dollars sure. at this point. Yeah. Um, but like I said, we do have you know the single largest collection of Blade Runner items to ever go to auction, and that includes Charles Node uh, Charles Node's continuity bible for all of the costumes which is just a wow. complete compendium full of polaroids notes swatches um we've got some incredible photographs on our website and it just gives you all of the details of every single costume even kind of extras that would appear more than once um there was a page about them and i think for you for you as a costume person heidi that's probably like your dream of going through the the continuity bible for blade runner yeah no i saw that and i immediately wanted it and uh <laughs> but one thing i i was saying i think i've said this to maybe megan and also chiro is that one thing that's so wonderful about the about the auction houses like yourselves included obviously is that you take such great photos of everything and also do such great uh descriptions so for instance i remember when john Mallow's book was coming up and I was saying, I actually, Roger Christian, who designed the lightsaber, I did an interview with him and I said, I was so sad about it that his family was selling that off. But I said, but I said, the good thing is at least all of these amazing photos were taken and all these wonderful descriptions. So the fans could at least have access to that, even if it does go to a private collector. 
it's a yeah, little bit ab- it's a little bit of a sad thing in a way for me no absolutely yeah. I completely you know I mean? understand I I get kind of slightly bittersweet feelings you can get very mm-hmm. attached to a prop we had a fraggle from fraggle rock last year oh, wow. as soon as that sold I kind of felt a little tear rolled out I didn't actually oh, cry yeah. but I was close um but you do you develop a relationship with these pieces whether that's through watching the movie and just knowing something by sight and then getting to interact with these fantastic pieces all day it's very hard to kind of not want to keep them around you and be like look at all this cool stuff um but yeah our photographers our copywriters everyone at prop store is incredibly talented at what they do and there is such a passion and commitment to quality as well like there's always striving to get the most accurate images of a piece you know the most accurate copy extensive research screen caps that kind of thing so you know we always try our best because we know these pieces are important to everyone, regardless of whether you're in the market for purchasing it or not. Yeah. And you can go through the archives as well and look at uh, sold pieces. So that, I mean, this is something I use all the time. I'm always like, oh, like I'll look up something. Like for instance, I was doing a video the other day and I was like, oh, I, oh, look, I found these uh, on auction houses. So that's very, very cool. So and I know I know a lot of people use your photography almost as reference points when they're making mm-hmm. their own costumes. Uh, For sure. And, you know, a lot of times some of these costumes are not really featured prominently in the movies. You know, they might be background or, you know, the angle might be a little off, but uh, the, the, the photographs are just marvelous and, you know, clear enough to be able to kind of pinpoint, you know, the little details and, and uh, you know, make a wish list of things that you know, obviously you wish you could have. But it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I love, you know, kind of flipping through the catalog and it's, it's amazing stuff. Yeah. And, and cosplayers and, like yours. Oh, sorry, Alex, go ahead. No. And, and to that point, when we had the uh, Roy Batty jacket up for auction, nobody had ever actually seen the back of that jacket mm-hmm. until we had publicized the photographs and put up a reel of it. You know, there was cosplayers everywhere saying, I don't really know what's on the back of his jacket. I want to make it film accurate. Um, and then we came out and we had dozens of DMs being like, somebody showed the back of the jacket. Thank you so much. And it's like, yeah. we do what we can, you know? <laughs> oh, it was funny. When I did my Blade Runner video, I had somebody email me that they had Tyrell's, uh, you know, the the beautiful puffy coat he wears in bed. Yeah. They, you know, I know you have his glasses, but they yes. own that. And I'm like, oh my God, are you kidding me? You have to send me pictures. Because yeah. the idea was that it was supposed to be like he wanted to just have like a duvet around himself that he just, you know, he's sort of in his, it's sort of like his bed, but he's inside of. And I just thought <laughs> that was such a cool story. Get those into mass production now. I think that they, they, <laughs> I want this for everyone. Yeah. Snuggle and the up. glasses too, those really thick, thick glasses <laughs> and the shape of them. They're so cool. Yeah. Um, fantastic. Okay. Ro, I'm going to leave you to the last item that we're going to chat about today. Well, it's a wonderful uh, production jacket used by the crew of Lucasfilm during the filming of The Empire Strikes Back. Uh, In-universe, they were on Hoth, but in the real world, they were uh, somewhere really cold, probably colder than Chicago. Um, Sometimes it's actually colder in Chicago than it is on Hoth. Yeah, you're the the windy city. (laughs) Uh, But uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, Norwegian production jacket. It's uh, such a wonderful piece, and... Kudos really to Lucasfilm too for uh, creating a, a crew jacket so iconic because I don't think there's any other production company that has created uh, an item so wonderfully sought out by collectors and fans alike. 
Absolutely. I mean, crew jackets and crew items are hugely popular anyway, because I think a lot of people see them as an entrance point into collecting. They're something that's kind of, they can wear themselves if they Mm -hmm. want to. And it's a way that you can represent the things that you love on your body. Um, But this jacket in particular, what struck me was just the amount of patches and elements had gone into it. Like we've got an Alan Williams label here. Now, I'm not sure if you guys know who Alan Williams is. Williams is I did try and do a little bit of research but I couldn't find much so no you know is that the manufacturer um, no it's probably whoever owned it oh it's the crew name here and yes. I did try and search um I'll have to do a scan through the actual credits of the movie and see see where he pops up but I think that's quite a nice detail as well when there is something like someone's name on a crew jacket mm-hmm. because you know it's been worn it's been loved it's been used and it really can take you back to the time when you know they were on Hoth shooting the film um I think yeah that's great but my favorite part of this jacket is this little patch that we have here if you guys can see that because I also have a little secret extra item for you guys to check out oh so that this is the original um design for this crew patch so you can see the differences here and the fact that they made patches just for crew it wasn't yeah. just you know, reserved for merchandise it was hey let's give our crew members something really cool to remember this production by yeah um, and Ro, doesn't that look like a ralph mccrory drawing it a is a bit. Ralph yeah. yeah yeah there you go yeah so this is the original ralph mccrory design for the crew patch and Alex, would you mind bringing it a little, like bringing it a little absolutely. closer to the camera? Oh, sorry, I don't mean it bossing I'll, I'll you around scooch here. Scooch out this way. Oh, so cool! There we go. Oh, wow! Oh, very nice. We've got annotations on there as well. Yeah. yeah. And the only difference between this one here and the one on the jacket is that there is no blue halo on the actual ones that went into production. Um, we do have one that has the blue halo, but I think that was just a prototype. And then they kind of went against it and just went for the full purple and the flames and Vader's mask. I think it's just a really, really striking, fantastic design. Yeah, and absolutely. yeah, you don't have companies put this much effort into things that their crew wear apart from Lucasfilm. Yeah, that's one of the things that I love about, you know, the company and George Lucas. I mean, he he really... Um, it seems like he really cared about the people behind the scenes. I mean, everything from, you know, holiday cards and little parties and invites and things like that. Obviously, the crew jackets, uh, the, the T-shirts and everything that it was made, um, you know, going into, uh, you know, the environment of uh, of Lucasfilm at Skywalker Ranch. It's, it, it just seemed like uh, a very... Um, inviting environment for creativity. And I think uh, the ability to have George kind of create all that stuff, um, especially for the crew, uh, I'm sure, you know, brought morale, you know, way up. Um, And it, you know, and it definitely shows in in the production of the films. Absolutely. And I think it's it's a really well-made jacket. Obviously, Norway is going to be incredibly cold. You can see how cold it is in the movie. And, yeah, just the care and attention, I think, that's gone to the crew's comfort um, is also what makes this just a really, really fantastic piece. And if you grab this and you do wear it out, there's probably not going to be that many people that have that as well, right. unless you head to celebration or something. You might have one of those Spider-Man moments when you end up seeing someone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, um, I'm so, so happy that you know about the Spider-Man that's moments. So funny. That's funny. I know about it. Uh, 
Uh, the other thing, Alex, I was saying to you before we started uh, this interview is the color's really great. Like it, it, in the catalog, I thought it was more blue, but it's almost a purpley blue. Maybe that's just the lighting. Um, so it is still a really strong blue. You have items from kind of the 80s, that period of time, and blue dyes will quite often just fade and they'll mm -hmm. end up quite muddy. Whereas this has obviously been really well looked after by Alan Williams and whoever may have owned it kind of going on from there. Um, it's probably been used more as a display piece. I don't think it would have been worn out since its original use. And I think that's probably why it's in such good condition now. Yeah, it looks like it's in mint condition. And then yeah. what's it like on the inside? Is there uh is there a contrasting lining or so it is. Uh it's just a simple navy lining. There is a bit of kind of catching and things on the inside here. Um, and a few of the patches are coming loose slightly, but you have the stripes here as well that are in a kind of dark blue and gold. Um yeah, it's it's relatively plain apart from the patches, but I think that's mm -hmm. what makes it because it feels almost customized. You know, it feels like they're part of a cool biker gang and they've all got these cool jackets that are patched yeah. up. <laughs> What's on that's the awesome. rear of it? Um, is there a patch or, or a logo on the back? Uh, the back is just plain. Oh, it is. Okay. okay. All yeah. all of the all the party is in the front. Yeah. Yeah, high in the front always. <laughs> uh, so I wrote. Uh, what about the um, the the selling price for that? The so, uh, the, the bid bid on it. So this is estimated at three to six thousand pounds. Obviously, you know, crew items. I did mention they are usually on the lower end of estimates. Um, some pieces like this, you see Blade Runner jackets, the kind of silk, um, the bomber jackets that are more of a satin. They go for a lot of money. There are some pieces that are just incredibly sought after because of their design. I mean, I've always been after, there's a very specific Twilight crew jacket that I know we have oh. in our warehouse, and I just think it's great. Um, but yeah, so this is uh, three to six thousand pounds, and that's just because of how sought after this piece is and the great quality. Yeah, being somebody who uh, adores all the behind-the-scenes stuff, and obviously Star Wars inspired me to to be a, a, a camera person and, and photographer here in Chicago. I think that's that would definitely be uh, on my wish list. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and Ro, do you have any questions for Alex before we wrap things up? Any general questions? No, I think you know. Uh, thank you so much for sharing these items. Uh, I was, uh, you know very excited to to you know be part of this again uh like i said our our trilogy of shows uh with prop store you guys have been fantastic yeah Thank we you. even have a star wars sort of i put a a bit of a star wars background on here <laughs> i don't know if you guys noticed like yeah. um <laughs> so alex thank you so much i just want to also thank miranda who helped set everything up for the interview and george and paul who are part of the the beatles gang <laughs> the Beatles gang here at Prop Store. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> one last and question for Alex. Um, out of the all the items that we uh, talked about, which one is your favorite? Out of the ones we've talked about or the whole auction? Um, Two-part question then. The ones Ooh. we've talked about and uh, everything so I else. Think out of the ones we've talked about, I do really like Needle, but that's because I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. I think Maisie Williams is fantastic. And being younger and kind of having short hair, a lot of people used to say that I was oh, very yeah. high and stark. So I have a bit of a kind of alliance with this piece. And yeah. I, I yes, just and it, and it really looks like cool. it's a good proportion for you. It's it like, exactly. you know, size-wise. It's, it's meant to be. Yes, exactly. <laughs>
Um, but yeah, I think that's probably my favorite piece out of the ones we've spoken about. Um, in general, I have quite a few favorites. I am usually into the strange and obscure pieces that we have. And we have an incredible animation cell from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Oh, and no. it's of Miss Betty Boop. And it's actually one of the cells that got censored from the home release of the movie. So it's a little bit risque. Um, she might have had a slight wardrobe malfunction. Um, <laughs> oh. And it's it's known as kind of a internet urban legend because nobody was able to find the theatrical release of the film and get the cell. And we have the cell. And it's the kind of proof that the, the cartoonists had a bit of sense of humor when they were making that movie. Very nice. I, I just recently, like, I'm getting my kids to watch all of these movies from, like, my my youth. So we just recently watched it. And my my son actually does a really great um, Roger Rabbit impression. I think he uh, he nails it pretty good. That's <laughs> talent. <laughs> he likes doing voices. He wants to be an animator uh, or, like, a game designer, I think. So he oh, kind of creates voices like for son. his different characters. Yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. We'll have to chat about that, Ro. Yeah, for sure. Well, Alex, I want to thank you so much and your team over at Prop Store for giving us this opportunity. And uh, we really appreciate it. And I look forward to uh, seeing how these costumes and, and props do and when the sale happens. Yeah, it's going to be a, a great time. I mean, November 9th to 12th, if you head over to www.propstore.com slash live auction, you'll be able to take a look at everything that is online. It's almost 1,800 items. Um, you can register to bid now. And if you're based in London or the UK, you're more than welcome to come down to the two days of live auction at BAFTA 195 in Piccadilly too. Oh, so, that's, that's well, so fun. We've got a lot going on mm -hmm. and it's, you know, everyone can get involved. There'll be the auction will be fully live streamed as well from our website and we'll have really, you know, extensive social media coverage throughout the day. So it's great fun to get involved with whether you're in the room with us or online and Very everybody's nice. welcome. Very nice. I have uh, my friend Gemma who lives in the UK is looking through your catalog right now and just posting things in, my, in the DM saying, I want this, I want that. <laughs> give them a visit. Yeah. yeah, and I have a video on all of the Game of Thrones, not the, uh, the props. I have a little video that I did last week. Yes. So I'll put a link in my description for that if anyone wants to check it out where I, I share all of the great photos you guys have taken. So It's a great video. I actually used it to oh. kind of do a bit of my learning today. Oh, really? Wonderful. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Like, I'll send it to you if you want perfect. it. <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, so thanks everyone for uh, watching today and spending time with us. And we'll have another one of these, hopefully in the near future, uh, when you have another collection. So take care and have a great day, everyone. Bye. Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. <laughs>